I have helped hundreds of men. Maybe we're into the thousands now. I don't keep that good of track of my numbers, but I know we're at the very high hundreds. I've helped so many men get their banter skills in shape so that they're able to get women off of the internet or off the street and onto a date. Guys that don't know how to talk or have rehearsed plan lines or bad pickup artist moves, don't get the dates. Girls want authenticity. And I can teach you how to authentically banter, create attraction, flirt, tease, tease without offending her. I know that's a big thing you guys are always worried about. And be that smooth, easy breezy guy that you've always wanted to be. You can't do it unless you put in the work. So email me at Kristen at kristenandchill.com and we'll work something out. I want you to get your banter skills in shape. And if it's not your banter skills, I can make you a kick-ass profile. I've got the eye for it, baby. I know what women are looking for and I get guys so many matches. Why let all those guys get the matches when you can get them too? So again, email me at Kristen at kristenandchill.com and we'll figure out exactly what you need to get your dating game where it should be, which is way up high. Right now, it might be ankle height. And unless you have really, really, really high ankles, that's not very high. So I'll hopefully see you at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we dive into the real reason why sexless men are on the rise. I did a video a couple of months back that talked about an article that, or a study that came out recently that dove into why this was happening. But I have a scientist on the show who's going to tell you the real reasons why all of this is happening and really break down for us how women's brains work compared to men. It's fascinating. I didn't talk the entire episode because I was learning and listening. You're going to love it. So keep listening. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I'm going to be really transparent here. I can hear myself repeating everything that I say. So if I sound a little bit weird, just know that that is the reason why. Not having anything to do with my wonderful guest that is on with us today. I have Darius, who is a consumer of my content which I love. I love a man who listens to me. What woman doesn't love that? But Darius is here today because we're going to talk about a recent YouTube video that I posted recently about sexless men or the rise of sexless men and the reason for it. So Darius, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks, Marnie. Uh, yeah, so I have a background in biology and anthropology and some of the healthcare sciences. And so I thought maybe I would just provide some insight towards, you know, some of these recent trends that we're seeing and then, 
you know, people's opinions about it that may yeah. may not be entirely objective, or at least it seems to be perhaps more one-sided yeah. in what they're describing. So I thought maybe I could shed some light there. Yes. Well, actually, I would say like start shedding some light. So I'll just preface this by saying that I had done a video called The Rise of Sexless Men and Why It's Happening. And it was based on a study that was put out that was talking about, I forget exactly the the numbers, but it was saying men who are going sexless has just increased from 10 years ago by like astronomical numbers. And they gave the reasons as to why this was happening. But you wrote me some wonderful emails just explaining everything in a bit more detail. And I was mad because I was like, oh, I should have put all this in my video. I think it's really good information. But I'd love to hear like from your point of view, the anthropological point of view, what's going on and why are men having less sex? And are they having less sex than they were a decade ago? Yeah, so that article was referencing like the uh, government survey, which is pretty like valid information that was taken across, I guess, samples nationwide. So I think the psychologists today, editorial or the article that was put out there that kind of went viral. It was Mm -hmm. pretty much suggesting that it pretty much was concluding that men need to, I I think it was even in the title that men men need to man up or something. Mm -hmm. And this is men's fault. And it was was more about blaming, I think, which was not particularly helpful. And it also lacked a lot of specific context. And I'm not entirely sure that's a peer-reviewed journal anyway, but people handled it as if it was because it had a lot of anecdotal data from his own personal practice as a psychologist and what he saw. And so uh, essentially he was saying men need to sort of listen to women better. And that was essentially what he was kind of concluding. And yeah. you know, not that that's not something that men should do. <laughs> or No, but it's not the full story. No, it's not the full story. And so I think where I'm going to go with this is uh, maybe some of the fundamental differences between male and female neurocognition as it pertains to how, yes. how men and women process fear differently, because I think mm-hmm. some of the underlying issues behind these trends have to do with that, with fear. And so... Love it. Tell me more. I've been watching sh- this show recently, and this woman on the show uses the term, use more words say more things. So I want to say, say more things, say more words. Like I want whatever you're going to give because I love this stuff. Sure, sure. It's very interesting. I mean, for me personally, like understanding sort of neurosciences kind of helps you explain sort of behavioral trends. So I wish he had done that in his article. And of course he did not. So yeah, so essentially with, with women, they have like a more generalized context of fear. So let's say a woman goes through a traumatic event of some kind. And so essentially the way she processes that fear is it goes to sort of the anxiety centers of her brain. And that's where it goes to first. So essentially what happens is that she will sort of have an increase in generalized fear after that. So for example, if you see a woman, it may appear that there's no particular specific circumstances for why she's anxious at a certain time. It's just something that's clear to her, but it may not be clear to those around her. And so it's just because she's been through traumatic experiences and then she sort of recalls what she felt in that moment, isolated from actual specific circumstances surrounding her. Whereas with men, 
when they go through a traumatic event, it's very context specific. So instead of going straight to their anxiety centers, it goes to their areas of memory. And so men end up uh, recollecting the specific details as it pertains to the particular event that was traumatic for them. And so when men after that event, you know, sort of go along their way, when they're presented with those specific external circumstances, they get very fearful. And so that may not be clear to, let's say, a woman who's like, oh, well, that was something you went through. Like, why are you, you know, so there's some of these sort of misunderstandings between men and women in terms of why men might be scared of something, whereas why a woman might be scared of something. And then also, just like as a, as a little caveat here, that's also part of why women are very wary of inconsistencies in their environment when someone's not consistent, when things are not consistent, because that's sort of the basis of why they may have experienced fear in the past, rather than the kind of very minute specifics um, surrounding it. So essentially, I think regarding the trend that we're discussing here, it has to do with essentially what kind of environmental conditions we live in. Okay. So as we're all we're all sort of familiar with natural selection, but you know what's not really discussed as much or understood is sexual selection, which is okay. fairly independent from natural selection. And so that's sort of how the species sort of selects the genes to pass on to future generations. And so regarding that, there's intersexual selection and there's intrasexual selection. So okay. when it comes to intersexual selection, it's essentially the females of the, of the group who come to a consensus about which characteristics should be passed on to the future generation. And in an intrasexual selection, it's the men who amongst themselves create sort of rules and competition to see which genes gets passed on or most valued. So this is sort of the, the fundamental reason why you would see disparities between one sex and the other is because okay. we currently live in an intersexual selection society. Although there are societies around the world and much of the past where it was intrasexual selection. So if you have a situation where a woman essentially choose and, you know, they're not being chosen against their will based on, let's say, the winner of some sort of competitive paradigm that men have built amongst themselves, it is intersexual selection. So the significance there is that in an intersexual selection society, essentially what happens is the vulnerabilities of women are amplified and the vulnerabilities of men are essentially more or less dismissed or ignored in relative terms. And so what's going on is that men, as far as fear goes, their biggest sort of focus is on the external world and interacting with the external world. With the external world. But essentially what their vulnerability is what's happening internally because they're not as mm -hmm. aware of what's going on inside of them. Whereas with women, they're sort of... We're talking about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. And women are focused on the inside of what's going on. And there's some theories it's because women can have children and so they have to be you know, aware of what's going on inside of them. Oh, interesting. But they're not as aware of what's going on 
externally. And so they compensate. So for one thing that women do naturally do is they travel in packs, like, you know, like in groups yeah. and stuff like that. So there's some natural habits there. But what happens is because of the society that we live in, the community resources, the media attention are, you know, in particular, much more likely to be expended on focusing on female vulnerabilities and not focusing on male vulnerabilities. So, yeah. So, for example, they did a study, psychologists did, where they talked about issues that men face. So, for example, in like homelessness, alcoholism, suicide, academic performance, like things that are in decline with men. And they had somebody talk to an audience talking about these issues but pretended that they were women's problems. Like these aren't problems that men have. These are primarily problems that women have. And so they had somebody to talk to an audience of both men and women that way. And they also had the same speaker talk to an audience, but accurately portray that these problems were male-specific problems. So what happened is that the audience that was spoken to where the problems were associated with women, like as if women had those problems, that speaker was was rated very highly. People wanted to spread the word about how women were suffering. And, you know, they were they were very popular. And so they, you know, really? there was a lot of sympathy, a lot of empathy. You know, it was sort of like this um, type of thing. When when they had the speaker talk to the audience accurately describing these as male-specific problems, they had sort of the opposite reaction. People didn't really care as much. So male suffering just wasn't really something that was, you know, yeah. that people didn't want to talk, On the to, table, talk about basically. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so these are all kind of reflections of what kind of society we live in, which is, again, a society where mm-hmm. fundamentally women choose men. So like to, in order to like sort of complete that contrast, it's like if you live in a society, if you think about, you know, our history, like the reason women take on men's last names after they get married, like, you know, women were in a prior era, they were kind of like, men were kind of deciding who woman would marry, yeah. you know, or the father was deciding who the daughter was going to marry. Like, women were kind of kept aside. And in, and in that society, it was men's concerns that were amplified and women's vulnerabilities were ignored and it was just handled sort of superficially. So women were quite vulnerable and we're sort of seeing the opposite trend here. So now it's men's mm-hmm. vulnerabilities that are being dismissed and ignored and women's vulnerabilities are sort of being amplified to the point where people can spread false narratives about female suffering and people still buy it. And yet when you talk about men's suffering accurately, people are just ignoring it. And one of the reasons is because as that article in Psychologist Today had shown, it's the males were particularly disenfranchised. There was a larger percentage of them Mm -hmm. who were, but that doesn't mean that there isn't in turn a percentage of males, a smaller percentage of males that are, that are very happy under the current environmental conditions. And so if you think about, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about the patriarchy or whatever, and the idea being that, you know, men are becoming, um, you know, or wealthy or they hog all the power and the money and that sort of thing. But if mm-hmm. you think about the people who actually spend the most amount of money are women. So people, the most of the home buyers, most of the people who buy the most expensive electronics are women. So it's really, yes, yes, that is true. And, and so home buyers and electronics, that's interesting. Yep. Yep. Amongst, amongst other things, like they do most of the shop, most of the buying. Yeah. And the reason is, is because even if those, which people don't take into account is that the, the highest percentage of men who are 
um, making money, but that doesn't mean that they're controlling the money, you know? Right. So there's in many households, women control them, manage the money. So, yeah. you know, if you talk to those women about their situation, they might not be so unhappy, you know, about the fact that their husband's making a lot of money because they're, they're sharing in that. So there's a lot of discrepancies in what's being put out there. But like what I'm trying to say, it's people just buy into it. So they just sort of, if you mm-hmm. put sort of a narrative out there about female suffering under today's circumstances, because of the way selection occurs within our collective in this society based on, is which what we, we have adopted to utilize. Mm-hmm. That's why these sort of false narratives sort of go viral with regard to female suffering and male suffering is ignored. And that article is a reflection of that because he just simply ignored the male perspective about why what's going Mm -hmm. on with regard to that particular trend. He completely dismissed it. I mean, he was basically like, I think he said something like, oh, men think that women care about their looks or something or whatever. But the fact is my female clientele have outlined the fact that it's men's poor communication skills and it was very nuanced with subjectivity. Yeah. I actually had a hard time biting into the article, to be honest, because I didn't feel like it gave enough information. It was very like Cosmo magazine, like headlines, as opposed to really giving me context to understand everything. So I'm glad that you're diving further into it. And and the emails that you sent me afterwards that like just expanded on everything were really enlightening. For me. So actually, I want to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and I want to hear about some of the reasons that you believe and, and actually science says that these things are happening so that we have more context to this article. So we'll be back in a second after we hear from our sponsors. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting, or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right, we're back with Darius and he's going to tell us all these reasons why men are truly suffering, to be honest, and why there are more sexless men. 
Right, right. And so one thing that he pointed out, just to reference his own, what he was saying is that he was saying that men are complaining that women care about their looks or something, don't care about their mm-hmm. personalities, that sort of thing. And so, in which he just didn't really elaborate more. He kind of dismissed it as a lie or something. Yeah. Or at least it's something that doesn't merit any significance. So I was just thinking about that in terms of neurocognition and, you know, why would, for example, a woman pay attention to appearance versus what's going on in terms of personality. So when women ruminate, like when they're not focused on the external world and they're sort of in their own head, their brains are more active than men's brains. Like in general, during the day, more areas of the female brain are more active and in terms of a level of activity than men's brain. So one of the symptoms of that is like women have a higher likelihood for neuroticism, for example. But as far as how it's related here is that if women are in ruminating in their heads, they're thinking about future planning, they're thinking about some of the basic essentials of what humans like want. So for example, people, they want future objects, they think about metabolic objects, they think about social objects, and they think about sexual objects. And so if a woman's ruminating and you ask her, for example, a question in terms of like mate selection or something, and she's in that mode, well, she's thinking about all of those things because it's like simultaneously, it's like going on. Right, right. So she's going to be like, oh, I want someone like this. I want somebody that's going to be good for the future. I'm going to, you know, but if she's interacting with the external world, there's a different part of her brain that's more active. Mm -hmm. And so that part of her brain has to do with the sensory input she's getting from the external environment. And so with women who are, let's say, more judgmental in terms of appearance and that sort of thing, it's very much a situation where those anatomical structures in her brain and the connections linking them to her sort of decision-making centers and executive function are sort of focused more visually than other sensory input. So if she's paying more attention to visual input when she's in that mode of interacting with the external world, then it's very much likely that she will, in fact, judge very much on appearance and not pay as much attention to other things. And so my point being that his assertion in that article of dismissing the idea that women today, you know, how could they be thinking about male, like appearance, like that's not true or something. Mm -hmm. Well, that's completely false. I mean, women are very nuanced as all of us are, but if women are interacting in the physical world, they could very much be focused on the visual input that they're, that they're focused on. And so to, to make a simple comparison, because people like to say men are visual, right? And women are not visual. And so a more sophisticated analysis of that is to say, like, let's say someone is interested in, if someone is considered a foodie, right? Like they love food or something. So there's one person and they like, you know, a juicy hamburger, they like a nice hot dog, they like the, the frosting on the cake, but they just don't like Brussels sprouts and, and they don't really like Jolly Ranchers or something like that. But, you know, and then there's another person who really doesn't really like that much food unless it's like, you know, blue lobster off the coast of Norway. And so like, well, that's okay. Well, now I love that or something. So which one is like more 
of a foodie, like who's more, who's technically more picky with food. So with women, it's sort of like a threshold, um, women who are paying more attention to visual, that is, it's like a sort of a threshold level where it's like nothing really gains their attention unless it reaches a certain threshold and then it gains their attention. And then it does. And then also women are much more low resolution, but that doesn't mean they're less visual. So in, in other words, one of the reasons evolutionarily women put so much work into like makeup and then their shoes and the dress and the and the earrings and everything, you know, because men are very high resolution visually. And so they're paying attention to everything. So if there's one thing that's off, there's like three other things that get their attention because they're taking all in all these data points. Whereas with women, they're kind of more le- low resolution. So if you think of the lowest resolution type of visual presentation, it's essentially the silhouette of a person or an object because you're taking out all the details except for the silhouette. And so that's one of the reasons why a woman may pay attention to, let's say, a person's size. Like it might stand out to her, like was what I'm saying in terms of attention, like how tall someone is or how big they are in terms of length and width. So, you know, that may gather her attention, certainly, whereas she might not pay attention so much about the finer details of what he's what he looks like. So she may sort of interpret that as, well, I'm not as visual, but that's not a real fair analysis of what's going on. So it's just that men and women process visual characteristics differently. And then, of course, we don't really know, you know, the human brain is so neuroplastic and it's so dynamic, and we don't really know some of the trends that are going on where perhaps women are paying more attention because those neuroanatomical structures responsible for taking into consideration the visual input around her may just be sort of changed over time. And so it may very well be that women are just paying more attention to visual than in the past. And so there's all these factors that are just completely dismissed and ignored in his analysis, which I thought was quite unfortunate because I think that was the article that sort of took off and everybody just sort of bought into it. And again, people are nuanced, so it just sort of depends. But I would challenge you, because I know you you like to ask people questions in different situations. And so, but you know, if a woman is in that sort of more internal mode and she asks her particular questions on her judgment of people, her answers are likely to be different than if she's focused on the external world, like right now, like what's going on. You know, people are busy in their lives. Oh, I talk about that all the time. Where I'll say, depending on like where you catch a woman and ask her a question, her answer is going to be very, very different because of how she's taking in the information. So it's interesting that now you have a science way to back up what I've been saying all along. But even for me, like if you ask me questions in a vacuum, right? Like where I'm not out and interacting with men, I'm not dating at that time. If you ask me about what it is that I'm looking for, I answer from the perspective of, I'm already attracted to this person, like what you were saying before, like my looks quota has been hit. And then what do I want after that? So that's where I'm answering from. And that's where I find that most women are asking from. But if you're out with them, and you're talking about guys who they want approaching them, you get a much more detailed answer or answers from them. So it is really interesting that you're saying all of this, because I totally agree with all of it. Right, right. Yeah. And these are sort of nuances that should be sort of discussed. Otherwise, we fall into the trap of 
these sort of generalizations and then we sort of ignore. I mean, but that's the world that we're in now, right? It's all generalizations. There's no context. And that that's what's really challenging for people because I found, I mean, a lot of the stuff in the article made sense for sure. And I invite people to go read that article or watch my video on it. It makes sense as to why people are having less sex. And one of the key reasons that it was saying is that people are getting married later, right? And they're living in their parents' home for longer. So there isn't the opportunity to have sex. So those are very, very basic things. But, you know, the part that you're responding to is where there could have been way more context and nuance discussed. And I think that it did fall short in that area. And I think like looking into this side of it is really helpful for men so that they can decipher and really take in the information that they get from women or from others on a totally different level. So I really want to thank you for explaining all of this to the guys that are listening to the podcast. I think that this is really helpful information. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to add one thing in terms of uh, what he was sort of pointing out in terms of, I mean, it seemed like he was sort of pinpointing on emotional intelligence as being like one of the key things that Yes. Or is responsible for what's going on. And so with regard to that, I just want to say like, it's been shown that men who engage in help-seeking behavior, that means like they ask for help, they ask for people's advice, you know, things like that. They have more gray matter volume in certain areas of Mm -hmm. their brain responsible for making decisions compared to men who don't and compared to women who do. So like it's certainly help-seeking behavior is something that is very much positively correlated specifically in men with, you know, higher levels of cognitive function. Totally. But unfortunately, as children, men are sort of socialized more about winning. So it's like, just win. And so they're just so focused externally, they've sort of neglected And so when you want to win, you know, and you're in that mindset, you're not going to be in a position where you're going to be thinking about yourself, about what you're doing. So it's a lot of it's about poor socialization. And so in those respects, like, you know, I certainly agree with what he was saying, but I think it's also society as a whole, like I was describing earlier, where males, you know, somebody like you, you're very unique. Like you must be very deep or something because like... Nah, surface level. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, because like like the studies show like in particular women and you know they're not really interested in male suffering at all and they actually turn off they're like oh i don't want to you know who cares about this or something but it's sort of a social problem and if he would sort of address that that would be more clear because i know there are for example men who talk about like men's issues but i've seen sort of like a more broadly it seems like they're they're under attack for even acknowledging that men have problems so it's like yeah that's not a healthy environment that's going to foster any sort of improvement. So he could have written some stuff about that in there instead of sort of blaming men and then Mm -hmm. kind of sympathizing with women. Well, I think that's the trend now, right? It's like, let's shame men and let's side with everybody. Like, you know, I sound like the biggest misogynist when I'm saying this, but I believe in equal opportunities for everybody to suffer, right? And yes, some people's are experiencing more pain than others, but it doesn't mean that somebody's pain or suffering doesn't hold value, right? So like, I've also had the experience of over the past 18 years, hearing men's stories and the amount of shit that they go through is horrible and horrendous. I'm not hearing as many women's stories. So maybe that's why I'm sympathizing more with the men 
And I haven't felt that many stories for myself personally. So maybe that is why I am leaning towards men to help them. Because I really do believe that when you can help men get more gray matter, as you talk about, I think that helps women and that helps everybody. So I think that the interesting thing that's happening now is that we're shaming men when we should actually really be focusing on men, helping them get more emotional intelligence so that it can start to like pitter-patter out to everybody else and then everybody elevates. That's my belief system. I don't know if it's like a good one or a bad one or a right one, but that's my belief system. Right. No, I totally agree. And I think the reason that that's not happening is when we kind of focus on a small percentage of men who are doing really, really well. Yeah. And then sort of generalize and say, well, this is sort of what all men are doing. And then we look at the first like two quadrants of women and then compare them to the top percentage of men. And it's like, well, women are, are each are going to eternally suffer then in terms of that context. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like if you take like a particular group in our society, like according to government data, like Native American population, some of them are socioeconomically not doing as well. And if you take, but if you take the top 5% of that population and you compare it to like the first two quadrants of Americans, you're going to be like, wow, Native Americans are like, running the country and they're like, you know, they have all the wealth and everything. I mean, it's an absurd comparison, but that's what they're doing is they're taking the top percentage of men and they're comparing it to like the average woman or below average woman. And then it creates this false narrative that people buy into. And and some of this is, you know, evolutionarily relevant in terms of like having sympathy for women or something like that. But like I said, it's also because we've just sort of gotten to a point where women sort of choose men. And so we, it's, you know, like fundamentally. And so we've, we've sort of adopted that as an ideal, which is fine, but there's all these ramifications that you have to sort of address afterwards. I love it. I can listen to this for hours, honestly. I'm actually going to wrap up the show now, but I love all this stuff. It's so funny because I've been meeting a lot of doctors and researchers lately and they'll tell me what they do. And I like pounce on them. It's like, oh my God, that sounds like the best job. It's so interesting. They're like, that you are the first person to ever say that to me. <laughs> but I, I just think it's like studying people and just the way that they work is so amazing. So you're very lucky to get to do what you do. And I want to thank you for coming on and really just thank you for writing me that email because it wasn't like just a sentence that you wrote me. You wrote me a lot and continued to share information with me that was really eye-opening for me and very, very helpful for me. So thank you. And I really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. No, thank you for everything you do. Like, I totally appreciate it. You're a great communicator, by the way. So I like that. Oh, thank you. Even though I have my voice repeating back to me, you're saying I'm a good communicator. So that even means so much to me. Okay, we're going to end the show, but I know you want to kind of stay anonymous. So I won't say where people can find you. But if people want more information about me and the Wing Girl Method, then go to winggirlmethod.com, sign up for my newsletters. And then I will bombard you with emails about how to attract, date, and get the women you want without turning into a jerk or an a-hole or a super nice guy. So go check it out. And new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Kristen and I are actually gonna start slowing down a little because we've been doing this for seven years and we're gonna start producing new content only two weeks a month, but that's not for another few months. Just a heads up to everyone listening, but we will play plenty of amazing rerun episodes because we've got hundreds to choose from. So keep listening, keep sharing our content, keep supporting us. And once again, thank you for being awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye. 